Well, hello, how are we doing today, Manuel? Doing all right? Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, my name is Brent, and I am the Franklin Campus Pastor, and it's so good to be with you. If you're a first-time guest here today, we want to say welcome, and thank you for accepting someone's invitation to be here and spend part of your weekend with us. We are so excited and glad that you are here, and I want to welcome all of you that are watching online as well, and then I have to give a shout-out to the Franklin Campus. What is up? I'm going to send some love out there to you guys. Hey, and Greenwood, welcome. Absolutely. Just excited to be here. So cool. We are in a weekend. It's called Espresso Shot. And basically what that means is it's just kind of a standalone message, not a part of any series that we're doing. And uh, so all the campus pastors are actually speaking at their campuses. However, you probably noticed that I'm not Matt. Um, and uh, the reason is, unfortunately, Matt is not feeling well at all. So I am standing in for him. So he would greatly appreciate your prayers, I'm sure, for him to get well soon. But, uh, and then next weekend, we're excited. Uh, Danny, our senior pastor, is going to be back next weekend to start a brand new series. And so you will not want to miss out and come back next weekend for that. But today, we're going to be talking about prayer. And as we kind of dive into this, I want to start off with this thought right here. And that is this. We are all wired to communicate. We're all wired to communicate. You know, as I was thinking about this, I started thinking about, you know, there are thousands of spoken languages all over the world, aren't there? I mean, you know, I speak English here today, and, you know, back when I was in high school, I took a couple years of Spanish, and, but, I mean, that's not even, like, the tip of the iceberg for the amount of spoken languages that are out there. In addition to that, there's sign language and Braille, and then if you move into, like, the technology realm, we've got cell phones and texting and social media and hashtags and emojis, right? Like, you don't even have to, like, use words anymore. Right, to communicate. You can just use pictures and symbols, right? And then even movies. Movies have their own form of language and communication. Like any Star Wars fans out there today? Yeah. All right. All right. So one of, uh, so one of my favorites, all right, is Chewbacca, right? I'm going to do my best here to sound like, uh, right? Something like that. All right. That's the best I got for right now. And it's so interesting because, like, he says that every single line of the whole movie, of every movie, actually, right? And Han Solo knows exactly what he's saying every time he speaks. It's, it's crazy. Uh, also, businesses and organizations, uh, they have their own form of communication and language, right? Like, Starbucks came in, and they changed the way that we order the size of our drinks. You ever thought about that? Like, no longer it's just large or small, medium, and large, right? They came in and, and changed it up a little bit. So we are wired to communicate. Even if you're sitting in here and you're an introvert and you're like, I don't really talk to a lot of people, right? Like, that's okay, but you're still wired to communicate. I mean, think about all the information you receive in, like through the different news networks and even movies and Netflix and all that stuff. We're wired to communicate. It's amazing. In fact, our team this week, we kind of looked up some uh, statistics to kind of dive in a little more, and I want to go through some of those with you. You can, you can look on Google. I mean, man, there's so many studies out there on this. It's crazy, but we just want to share a few of them with you. The first one is this. We check our phones about every 12 minutes, right? Some of us less, like you've been on it the whole time, like, mm, mm, right? Uh, we're connected to the World Wide Web, and so it goes to what I was saying before. We're either receiving information in or we're giving information out, right? The next statistic we found is we send an average of about 34 emails 
a day. Now, those of you that don't work in jobs that require you to work with email, this number may be a little high, get that, all right, so it's a little skewed. But this next one that we receive about 88 emails a day, if you have a personal email account, you're like, uh-huh, this is true because that is junk mail, right? Like, it's crazy how much junk mail comes into our inbox. So thank goodness for the delete button. Get rid of that. The next one uh, here is this, and I'm just going to let this sit up here for a little bit. You can kind of absorb this in. <laughs> I really think it speaks for itself, but I'll say it anyways. Um, women speak about 20,000 words a day, and men speak about 7,000 words. Now, what we should add to that, though, as far as communication with the guys is, you know, like there's extra like grunts and groans and nods in there, right? That's not part of our words that we say, right? Um, but we, we, I mean, there's different studies on this, you know, and you can find different things. Um, so this may not be exact, but, uh, but it, the whole purpose is to understand, like, we just talk a lot, right? Words add up quickly. The next stat that we found was we sent over 6 billion texts a day just in the U.S. alone. Now, what's interesting to me about this is that, like, back when I was a kid and even most of my teenage years, and yes, I know I'm getting old, um, but, like, Texting wasn't even a part of the communication back then, right? Many of you can relate to that. Like, so not only is it a form of communication these days, but like we're sending over 6 billion of them a day just in the U.S. alone. It is amazing, crazy. And then as we kind of start to turn the corner to, you know, look at prayer and how we communicate in prayer, this is the statistics we found Average Christian spends less than about 10 minutes a day in prayer. Now, if you would kind of span that over an average lifetime, it would look a little bit like this. Equate to less than six hours a month, three days a year, and seven months in a lifetime. Now, if you compare that to something else that we actually do a whole lot in our culture, which is watch TV, right? So we looked up the study on that, the, the statistics aren't on the screen, but a study showed that we will spend about 15 years of our lives watching TV compared to about seven months and prayer at less than 10 minutes a day. Crazy, right? Like, I mean, so as we're wired to communicate, we do it fairly well in most areas, except for maybe when it comes to prayer, right? And so we would say this, we say maybe we would struggle to pray. We struggle to pray. And it's different for, you know, different reasons for different people, right? Maybe some of us struggle to pray because we don't know what to say. Maybe some of us struggle to say because we just feel like we're too busy and can't fit God into our schedules. Some of us struggle to pray because maybe we feel like we're inadequate and, you know, we just leave that up to the professionals, right? Some of us struggle to pray because we get distracted and, you know, we maybe start in a conversation with God and then the next thing we know we're like, oh, wait a minute, actually I got something else to do. Hold that thought, God. I'll be right back, right? Some of us struggle to pray because we just don't think prayer makes a difference. We've tried it a couple or a few times and God didn't answer prayer the way that we wanted him to and so we're like, I just don't really know if it works. And if we're honest, we can kind of treat prayer like God's a genie in a bottle, right? And so whenever we want something, we just kind of rub the lamp and, you know, hope that God comes out and grants our wishes. Or we can come to prayer with this mentality of like, God, help me, give me, bless me. And, you know, at some point, maybe I'll thank you for the day. But really, let's just get down to business, specifically like my business, right? And, you know, like if, if God doesn't answer the prayers the way then that we want him to, then that can lead to us like getting mad and frustrated and just angry. And so the more that that happens and the less that we actually pray. And so then we realize this, when we struggle to pray, our relationship with God struggles, right? 
Like we don't experience all that God has in store for us in this life. And so we're at a point where we're like, ah, I've got to change the way in which I pray because I can't just keep doing the same thing and expect different results. That's insanity, right? And so we have to come to the place where we start to understand that prayer is this ongoing conversation with God. Prayer is a conversation with God. Here at Emmanuel, you hear us talk about a lot how God desires to be in a personal relationship with every single person. And if you read in John chapter 15, Jesus actually tells us that God wants to see us and view us as a friend if we will follow him. And so that kind of helps us understand that prayer is relational. If prayer is relational, then having an ongoing conversation with God seems like a normal thing then. Because we have conversations with our friends and loved ones every day, right? And as I was trying to kind of think through like how to best illustrate this, um, I thought of, you know, my wife and I, we, have, uh, we, have, we think we have a pretty good marriage. Uh, it's not perfect by any means, and we'll be the first ones to tell you that, but, you know, we like each other a lot. <laughs> we do. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, in order to keep that up, though, we have to have intentional time to have deep conversations. Because if our conversations only take place on the go or in the midst of the hustle and bustle of life, right? Like for us, it's like in the midst of the busy schedules of who's picking up who, when, and where they going, Right? And talking about our budget and, you know, talking about what's for dinner and, you know, where the kids got to be and all that stuff. Like if our conversations happen only in that way, then we could sit on our couch next, right next to each other, less than two feet away. And I could look this woman in the eye that I love a lot and feel disconnected. In fact, we've had times in our marriage where, you know, we've shared with each other, like, I just feel far away from you right now. And it's not because like we have these like deep internal, you know, like problems or issues or conflict that's going on. It's just that we just feel far away from each other right now. And the reason is this, because we are created to have a level of intimacy in our relationship and our marriage relationship that is deeper than just surface level. And the same thing is true in our relationship with God. We are created to have a level of intimacy in our relationship with God that is deeper than just surface level. Andy Stanley said it this way. He said, you can talk to God the rest of your life and never feel connected with him. And maybe some of you are like, oh yeah, that's me. Like I'm struggling with that. Like I've been praying and praying. I just don't feel connected with God, right? And so that then begs the question, my prayer life has to change. So how do, how do we pray? What should that look like? Well, the first thing is this, find a quiet place. Find a quiet place. If you read in the Gospels, in the Bible, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll start to see that Jesus finds a quiet place to pray, maybe in the garden or on the mountainside or, you know, in the wilderness or under a tree. And the reason is, is because he's got to get time alone with God to spend focused time with him. And he, he actually talks about this in Matthew chapter 6 as he's kind of teaching us how to pray. And in verse 5, he says this. He says, when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward that they will ever get. And so Jesus starts off here talking to us about prayer, about where we should pray. Now I know some of you here are like, well I thought you could pray anywhere. And you can. I think you can. I think you can pray when you're traveling down the highway interstate at 50, 60 70 miles an hour, all right, I think you can. I think you can pray when you're on your way to school and you're on the bus or you're in a car and you're like, God, please don't let there be a quiz today. Please don't let there be a quiz today, right? I think you can pray when it is pouring down rain 
and you pull into a parking lot and you're like, God, please let there be a spot open close to the front door, <laughs> right? Probably most, if not all of us, have been there. I think you can. I think there's a whole lot of places that you can pray. But if those are the only places that we pray and the only ways in which we pray, how much intimacy or connection with God are we really having? Probably we would say, mm, not much, right? And Jesus knows our prayers and he hears our prayers and he knows and hears the prayers of the people back of when the scripture was written. And see, back then, like a lot of the religious people thought that the right way to pray was in front of people, not in like a church, you know, corporate setting like this, but literally out on the street corners or in the marketplace. And the reason is because they thought it was like a show. Like they wanted the applause of people like, ah, oh, that was great. Oh, keep praying. Encore, encore, right? Something like that. And Jesus says, listen, like if you think that's the right way to pray or if that's the only way that you're going to pray, then the only reward that you're ever going to get is the applause of people. You're never going to experience the intimacy and connection that you were created for. And we're like, well, yeah, that's just silly, right? That seems weird to us because that's like so out of place as to how we pray in our culture. We pray more in the hustle and bustle that I talked about, right? And the mindset of like, help me, give me, bless me, right? And Jesus hears all of these prayers, and he responds in verse 6 in this way. He says this. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees you, who sees everything, will reward you. You see, Jesus was saying, like, if you want to experience all that I have in store for you, if you want to experience that deep intimate connection with God, the Father, then you need to go away by yourself and you need to shut the door behind you. You know, I was telling you how Amy and I have had moments in our marriage where we felt disconnected because we were, you know, trying to talk in the midst of the hustle and bustle of life. And so in order for us to, you know, kind of regain that connection and intimacy, like we've got to find a way where we just get away from the busy schedules. We get away from the parenting of the kids. We get away from, you know, the, the busy and stressful work life and everything else that's going on, right? And we got to find a place where we can just connect with each other one-on-one. -on -one. And so whether that's a date night or, you know, whether that's getting away somewhere, just the two of us, or whether that's sitting in our car, just pouring out our hearts to each other in the Kroger parking lot, which we do, <laughs> right? Or whether that's even like sitting at a table at a restaurant, like one-on-one, -on -one, just talking about what's going on in our life. And a quick side note, that restaurant cannot have TVs every few inches from each other on the wall, right? Because I'll just be honest, my attention is not going to be on my wife. It's going to be on what's going on in that game, what's going on in that game, right? So we have to be intentional about creating space in our relationship to find quiet place and connect. Because if we don't, then we're going to stay on the crazy cycle of the hustle and bustle of life. And we've all been there, Right? where it just goes round and round and round, and we're on it. And if we don't get off and create that space, then we will not experience much, if any, of that connection and intimacy that not only we were created for, but we actually enjoy to have with each other. And the same is true in your relationship with God. You gotta find a quiet place. For me, uh, usually my quiet place consists of one of two places. 
Uh, one is a chair in our living room, and the reason for that is because we don't have like extra space, like an office or you know upstairs or downstairs, and so I literally have to wait till the doors close in my kids' rooms, and they go to bed before I can you know have some quiet space in the house. But another of uh, quiet place that I spend with God is in my car. I spend a lot of time with Him in my car. In fact, one of my favorites is uh, to you know get to work about 20, 30 minutes early, and you know turn my phone off. And, uh, and I kind of just kind of close out everything else that's going on in my life. And I just, it's God and I, and we're just connecting and he's growing me. And it's awesome. Got to find a quiet place. Where is your quiet place? You know, this one concept right here could change your life. Not just your prayer life, but your whole life. Because when you get in a quiet place with God... And you shut the door and all of the distractions are out, right? And it's just you and God. Not only can you share with God what's on your heart, but God can actually share with you what's on his heart. Can you imagine that? The God of the universe wants to share what's on his heart with you. And when you're in a quiet place, not only can you hear from God, but you can receive what he has for you as well. So find a quiet place. The second component or way in which we should pray is this. Be authentic. Be authentic. So once we find our quiet place and we get in there, some of you may be like, well, so what do I say? Right? What does that sound like? What does that conversation go like? Well, Jesus goes on in verse 7 to say this. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. You see what Jesus is saying here is that, like, hey, if you think that you have to impress me when you pray, you can forget about that. Like, I'm not really interested in the volume or the quantity of the words that you have to say, right? I'm not even necessarily interested in having the right theology when you come to me in prayer. And it makes me think of, uh, when I go to different gatherings, like whether it's family or friends or even church gatherings, like, like small group, and I kind of chuckle because I have a feeling that my small group is watching right now, and I think they're going to laugh with me on this. Uh, but when I go to, to those gatherings, you know who the, the person that's asked the most to pray is? I'll give you a hint. This guy right here, right? And we probably all know the reason why for that, you know, because I'm a pastor and there's this thought process that exists that, you know, because it's a pastor, then, you know, they pray more spiritual prayers. And so, you know, whether it's for the food or our time together requests and, you know, we want Brent to pray because it's going to be more blessed. And I want to tell you something. That is not true. Let's just set the record straight right here. All right. That is not true. I don't have a higher connection or a higher platform to God than anyone else. And Jesus is saying to us here, listen, like God's not going to be moved more by some words than other words. And so the pressure is off. You can just come to God as you are. Engage God in prayer right where you're at and he will meet you there. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is actually great news for you too. Because God will meet you right where you are. You don't have to put on a show. You don't have to put on an act. You don't have to fake it till you make it, right? You can just be real and be authentic. This is one of the uh, things that we try and teach our kids in our home. And we, we engage them in prayer uh, at a very young age, actually, as they kind of can start to communicate and receive communication in as well. We engage them in, you know, their first 
response usually is, you know, well, I don't know how to pray and I don't know what to say. And we're like, that's okay, right? Just kind of start to come to God with where you're at on your heart right now. We'll start there. And then as we engage in our family devotional times, you know, we start to talk to them and say, okay, now that we read God's truth in the Bible, like, how does that hit you? How do you, how do you respond to that, right? And then another thing we talk to them about is, hey, listen, you don't have to sound like mom and dad in your prayers because mom and dad are at a different place in their journey with Jesus. And so the pressure's off for you to have to sound like us, right? And then, and then we also tell them, hey, listen, you don't have to like memorize prayers and say the same thing over and over, over again as if it's like a magical formula that you're getting God's attention with. Like you don't have to do that. You can just come and be real and be authentic with God right where you're at. And God will meet you there even, even in the struggle, even if you're mad, even if you're ticked off. Like you can still come to God in prayer. If you've ever read the book of Psalms, like you know this to be true right? David, who God said, like, this is a man after my own heart, like, he wrestled with God a lot in the book of Psalms. And in fact, I want to read to you one of them right now in Psalm 22. It says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. And every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Anybody ever been there before? Like, God, I'm just crying out to you. Are you listening to me at all? Right? The next one, Psalm 130, it says this, From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. You see, if you're frustrated with God or life, like, engage God in prayer about it. If you're sad, engage God in prayer about it. If you're happy, engage God in prayer about it and give him praise. You know why? Because if we're not authentic and real with God, then the rest of our lives can be affected by whatever we're not allowing God to be a part of. You ever thought about that before? If we're not authentic and real with God, then the rest of our lives can be affected by whatever we're not allowing God to be a part of. And the reason is because the most important thing in this world the most important thing in this world as a follower of Jesus is your personal relationship with God because everything else flows through this one thing. So be authentic. Be authentic. The third way in which we should pray and what it looks like is this. Don't give up. Don't give up. Some of you may be here today, and you may say, man, my prayer life is awesome. Like, I'm connecting with God, we're hitting on all cylinders, and I'm growing, and it's going really well. And I just want to say, that is amazing. Keep it up. Don't stop. In fact, you may be able to come alongside someone else that's struggling to pray and help them where they're at. Don't give up with that. But whether your prayer life is going really well, or whether it's not going well, there's a temptation that is very real that can creep into all of our lives. And it goes something like this. God, you're not answering my prayers. God, you're not giving me what I ask for. Right? Like, I've been praying for this job, and God, you're not giving me the job that I want. God, I've been praying for my family member or loved one to come to Christ and have a relationship, and they're not doing it yet. God, I've been praying for someone I love that has cancer or an illness or sickness, and they're not healed. And this is real life, isn't it? I know, I'm there. 
And so how do we respond then when everything inside of us just wants to give up and throw in the towel? Jesus talks about this actually in Luke chapter 18. And I want to read it to you actually starting at verse 2. And then we're going to come back to verse 1. Because Jesus tells us what it's all about. And it says this. There was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow of that city came to repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, man, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. She keeps showing up here every day after day after day. I'm just going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. And then the Lord said, can learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? And this is what it says in verse 1 at the very beginning of that parable. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and say this with me, never give up. Now I could end the talk right here and say, well, Jesus told us never to give up, so let's go do it. But you know, one of the reasons why I think Jesus tells us never to give up praying is this. It's because prayer is not about getting God on the same page as us, but prayer is about getting us on the same page as God. And if we're honest, this can take a while, can it? We don't always see eye to eye with God, right? We don't always see eye to eye with God. In fact, if, if, we, would, if we would just continue to pray and be persistent in our prayers like the, the woman in the story and pray over and over and over again, you know the reason why? You know what happens when we do that, pray over and over again? is it creates opportunities. And in those opportunities, we're, ta- we're able to take another step in surrendering a piece of our life to God. And in those opportunities, we're able to take another step in surrendering a circumstance to God. And as we take step after step after step, it grows us in our trust with God. Because we all know that sometimes God will give us what we ask for. And sometimes God will not give us what we ask for. But our trust is not in God giving us what we ask for. Our trust is in God alone. And if you remember from last week, Danny, Pastor Danny kind of wrapped up the transition series. And one of the things that he mentioned was he talked about one of the reasons why we can trust God is because God is good. God has our best interests in mind. And maybe you remember Romans 8, 28 that says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the, say this with me, good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Yeah, God is a good God and that is what we are trusting in. And we just continually need to be reminded of this, don't we? I mean, I know I do. In fact, I can share with you, like Amy and I have had to be persistent in our prayers and trusting in God alone and not in what we ask for. About 12 years ago, my father-in-law got diagnosed 
with stage four lymphoma cancer. And we'll never forget the day that the doctor came into the room and shared with the family that it had pretty much kind of started to go across his whole body. And even though he was only given about a five-year survival rate, they said the chances were pretty much slim to none. And as you can imagine, our world was rocked and turned upside down. And we started asking questions to God, like many of you may, and like, God, why is this happening to Larry? Why does our family have to go through this? Right, and, and the struggle is real. And then in the midst of the struggle, we're also praying like, God, please heal his body of cancer. And I'll never forget because also, it was a little over a week after that, that we got news that my grandma had passed away from cancer that she had battled with for about seven years. And even though, you know, we were praying for, for my grandma to be healed of cancer, and she had a lot of good strides along the way that we praised God for, God never healed her. And it eventually took her life. And so in the middle of the loss of my grandma, we're now starting to pray for healing for my father-in-law of cancer. And even though God has not healed Larry of cancer yet to this day, God has given us 12 years with him, which is way more than what the doctor thought it would be. And so in, we, we praise God in the midst of the goodness, even though God didn't give us what we ask for. And I'll be honest with you, it has not been easy. In fact, as I was just kind of thinking through like just these prayers alone, we've been asking and praying to God to heal two of our family members family members of cancer for the last 19 years. And maybe you're here today and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and it's been years. And maybe it's for something similar of a loved one that has cancer or sickness or illness and they're not yet healed. Maybe you're here today and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying for a relationship to be restored, whether it's in a marriage or whether it's with a parent or whether it's with a child or a friend and there's still a lot of brokenness. Maybe you are here today and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying for the anxiety and the depression that is just gripping your life and it's not going away. And you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and you're on the edge of giving up. Or maybe you have already given up. If that's you today, can I speak these words of encouragement to you right now in this moment? God is still good. And God has your best interest in mind, I promise you that. And if you'll be persistent in continuing to pray and pray and pray, I'll tell you this, it is worth it. It may not be easy, but it is worth it. Do you want to know why? Because God uses prayer to shape and change the lives of people, including you and I. As I was talking to Amy, even just this week, we were reminiscing on the last 19 years of our life. And we were looking back on where we started. We thought, how in the world, God, are we ever going to make it through this? I have no idea. 
And I'll tell you, I stand here today, grown in the power and the shaping of God and his presence and power in my life through continually going to him in prayer day after day and not giving up. And you wanna know what's amazing? God can do the same thing in you and not only in you, but he may just use you to make an impact in the life of someone else along the way. So don't give up. It's so worth it. Don't give up. If you remember one of the things I said earlier was, if you don't have a relationship with God, God will meet you right where you're at. And maybe you're here today and that is you. You've been hearing this and you're like, man, I'd love to have a relationship with God. I'd love to connect with the Heavenly Father. But you're like, I just don't know if I'm good enough. You know, I've done this, this, and this, and this, and I just don't think God will accept me. And can I tell you something? You can think that all you want. But you know what God says to you? I will not give up on you. Not only does God say that, but God demonstrated it. He showed it by sending his one and only son to this earth to die on a cross and be raised three days later from the dead so that we can be forgiven of that sin that separates us from God, even when we think we're not good enough, right? So that we can then enter into a personal, intimate, connecting relationship with God, the Heavenly Father. And so if you're here today and that is you, this is your moment. You don't need to wait another day. You can begin that first prayer relationship conversation with God right here and right now. And so I'm gonna ask everyone, if you will, will you bow your heads and will you close your eyes with me? And if that is you here today and you're ready to take that step, your first conversation with God can sound something like this. You make, you take these words and make them your own as you place your faith and confidence and trust in Christ. God, I know that I'm not good enough. I know that my sin separates me from you. But God, I know now that you have died on a cross to forgive me of that sin. And you've made a way so that I can be in a personal, intimate, connecting relationship with the God of the universe. And I thank you for that, God. And I'm so excited about stepping into this journey alongside of you so that I can experience the abundant life and all that you have in store for me. So thank you, Father, for this time that I have the opportunity to make this decision and be in relationship with you. And it's in your name I pray, amen and amen. You know, it says in heaven that uh, God, or it says in the Bible that heaven throws a party every time that someone comes to trust in Christ. So can we join that party, church, and give thanks to God today? Amen. Amen. Well, not only do we want to celebrate you with you if you made that decision, but we want to put in your hand a new believer's Bible. And if you're watching with us online, would you please let us know that you made this decision so that we can mail one of these to you as well. But if you're at one of our campuses, before you leave today, there are tables in the back and some amazing people that would love to put these in your hand to help you in your journey with Christ as you continue on from this place. So excited about what God's doing. Can we give God another hand, church? Amen. Amen. Woo! Absolutely. Well, hey, before we leave, I want to uh, ask you one question, and it's this. 
What is your next step in prayer? You know, in a crowd this size, we're all at different points in our relationship with God, right? And so it can look different for different people. And I just wanna ask you, what is your next step? Can you imagine with me just for a moment? Like, what would it look like if we all prayed in the way that Jesus taught us to pray? Like, what if we all, you know, prayed in the way where, you know, we got a quiet place with God and we started to get that deep connection going? What if, what if we prayed in a way that, you know, we were authentic and we didn't hide stuff from God, but we were just real? What if we prayed with God and, and it was in a way that we just didn't give up and we were persistent even when God doesn't give us what we want? What would that look like? I, th I think it would look like there's a whole lot of lives that are transformed and changed. And not only us here in this place, but the people that are surrounding us in our community, they would know that we are for them and God is for them and it would transform our community. And wouldn't that be awesome? I'm so excited to see how God is gonna continue to change you and shape you as you grow in prayer with Him. At this time, our campus teams are gonna come up and close us out in a final announcement before we leave today.